Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. and I'll be your conference facilitator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to Mandalay Resource Corporation's fourth quarter and year-end 2020 financial results call. Joining us on the call is Dominic Duffy, President, Chief Executive Officer, and Director of Mandalay Resources. If anyone should require operator assistance during the conference, please press star zero from your telephone keypad. Please note that this conference is being recorded. This call contains forward-looking statements which reflect the current expectations or beliefs of the company based on information currently available to the company. Forward-looking statements are subject to a number of risks and uncertainties that may cause the actual results of the company to differ materially from those discussed in the forward-looking statements. Factors that could cause actual results or events to differ materially from the current expectations are disclosed under the heading Risk Factors and elsewhere in the company's annual information form dated March 30, 2020, available on CDAR and the company's website. I'll now turn the conference call over to Mr. Dominic Duffy. Please go ahead. Thank you, Rob. Um, Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. Uh, Today on the call is Nick Dwyer, Mandalay's Chief Financial Officer, and he's going to be going through the financials with you. I also have Chris Davis, Mandalay's Vice President of Exploration and Operational Geology, Uh, to give you a quick update on where we stand on our current exploration program and the plans we have going forward. Mandalay released its fourth quarter and full year 2020 financial results at market close yesterday. You can find our consolidated financial statement and MDA on the Mandalay Resources website and also under our profile on setr.com. Mandalay Resources and delivered another excellent quarter in Q4 2020. We leveraged our strong operational performance, a a 32% increase in realised gold prices, a good cost control to achieve one of our best quarters on record. Before I get into our operations though, I wanted to take a moment to have Nick Dwyer speak on our financial performance and just how significant this quarter in 2020 as a whole was for the company. Um, Are you on the line, Nick? Yep, thanks, Tom. So, Madeleine had an outstanding Q4 in 2020 year. The Q4 2020 compared to Q4 2019, we doubled our quarterly consolidated revenue to 45.3 million. We grew our quarterly adjusted EBITDA by over 400% to 25.3 million, which was the third highest result in company history. We also grew our consolidated production by 47%. We lowered our all-in sustaining costs by 14%. And we generated an adjusted net income of $12.1 million. The company closed the 2020 year with $34.2 million in cash. This cash balance was similar to the amount at the end of Q3. However, it's important to note that the year-end amount does not include an additional $5 million payment relating to a delayed shipment from Costa Field. 
Um, this would normally have been received uh, by the year end, but it was received early January. The fourth quarter was capped off by a tremendous full year in which the company demonstrated dramatically improved financial results. In the full year 2020, we generated $179 million in revenue, which is our highest annual result since 2016. Um, that was when we had three operating mines rather than the two that we have today. We generated a record adjusted EBITDA of 94.2 million and a record EBITDA margin of 53%. We generated 72 million in net cash flows from operating activities, generated 25 million in free cash flow, which again excludes the previously mentioned delayed $5 million shipment from, from Costafield, and produced an adjusted, uh, a record adjusted net income of US. $43.7 million, or Canadian 51 cents income per share, which is the equivalent to 25% of the market cap of the company at the close of 2020. Thanks. I'd like to turn the call back to you, John. Thanks, Nick. With four consecutive quarters of remarkable operational and financial improvement, Mandalay has not only demonstrated that it has turned the corner, we have now shown that this is this turnaround is sustainable. This continued performance highlights not only the successful execution of our operational strategy at Costafield, which was to reach, develop and ramp up the high-grade production at Yule, but it also demonstrates our positive growth trajectory and underlying long-term value and cash-generating potential for both sides. Turning to our operations, on a consolidated basis, Mandalay produced 27,350 ounces of gold equivalent in the fourth quarter of 2020 at a cash and all-in sustaining cost of $930 and $1,350 per ounce, respectively. Mandalay's consolidated production rose by 47% compared to Q4 2019. This production drift lift was driven in large part by high quality, low cost production from Costafield, um, most notably from the Yule vein. For the full year 2020, Mandalay met its up, upwardly revised production guidance of, that was upgraded to 100, from 100 to 100 and from 100 to 109,000 ounces of equivalent gold producing, we ended up producing 103,440 ounces. This was a 35% year-over-year increase, a significantly improved cash and all-in sustaining costs of $843 and $1,254 per ounce, respectively. At Costafield in Q4 2020, Costafield produced 12,230 ounces of gold and 860 ounces of antimony for 15,100 ounces of gold equivalent produced. This is nearly double the production over the same period in 2019, where Costafield produced 4,750 ounces of gold and 684 tonnes of antimony for 7,600 ounces of gold equivalent. Costafield's cash cost per ounce of gold equivalent produced $668 and 
down 38% from the year ago quarter. And an all-in sustaining costs were $1,077. That's 34% lower than Q4 2019. This resulted in cost of field posting yet again a record quarter, quarterly adjusted EBITDA of $20 million, which surpassed the previous record of $18.8 million set in Q3 2020. For the full year 2020, cost of field generated $68 million of adjusted EBITDA. The, up, the uplift in production and reduced costs in Q4 2020 were largely grade-driven as our process grades average 11.2 grams per tonne gold and 3.5% antimony. For the full year 2020, Costa of Field produced 44,960 ounces of gold and 3,900 tonnes of antimony for 58,150 ounces of equivalent gold. That's a 131% production increase year over year. Cost of fields, cash and all-in sustaining costs for 2020 was $634 and $1,010 respectively. Looking ahead, we expect to see a similar production profile and continued high grades at cost of field over the course of 2021. And we are guiding annual production equivalent, we are guiding annual gold equivalent production of between 53 and 60,000 ounces. At Bjorkdal, we continue to deliver, deliver stable, profitable performance. The mine produced 12,250 ounces in Q4 2020, which was a slightly higher than the 10,990 produced in the fourth quarter of 2019. Cash in all costs were slightly higher than Bjorkdal at $1,251 and $1,600. 116 per ounce respectively versus 1,071 and 1,460 per ounce a year ago. This resulted in quarterly revenue of in Q4 2020 of 19 million and 6.4 million in adjusted EBITDA. For the full year 2020, Bjork Dodge generated 81.5 million in revenue and 32 million in EBITDA both improvements over 2019. For the full year 2020, Bjorkdal produced 45,296 ounces of gold, down 12% year over year. Bjorkdal's cash costs and all-in signing costs for 2020 were $1,112 and $1,435 respectively. We continue to execute our new operating strategy at Bjorkdal to focus on maximising the delivery of higher margin or feed to the mill for greater profit profitability. This means boosting the overall mix of higher grade underground ore and supplementing the mill capacity with low cost, low grade stockpile ore. While this transition is still underway, we have seen four consecutive quarters of steadily increasing underground tonnage delivered to the mill. We are working to ramp up our production and haulage of underground ore with the goal of delivering 1.1 million tonnes of high-grade underground ore to the mill per annum. 
Haulage numbers are definitely uh, trending positively in the last three quarters. We have seen a positive lift in the underground tonnage. Uh, we are also developing further into the high-grade low levels of the Aurora Zone. However, we are seeing some delays in stoping in, the, in Aurora as the majority of the ore drives are extending further than originally expected as further mineralisation is found at the extents of the deposits. We expect Bjorkdal's performance both operationally and financially to improve significantly as we execute this strategy and have guided annual gold production of 2021 of 52,000 to 57,000 ounces. Over, I'm pleased with the current state of our operations heading into 2021. Both are in strong positions, stable, growing and generating significant cash flow. As we mentioned in our production and cash guidance released in January, we expect to take our annual consolidated production from 103,000 ounces in 2020 to between 105 to 117,000 ounces in 2021. We are also guiding improved cash and all in staining costs of $800 to $1,000 per ounce and $1,100 to $1,300 per ounce respectively. On other points for operation, well, one other point, sorry, is that um, the first quarter of 2021, we will be restarting our, process, restarting our processing plant at Cerro Bayo to process mineralised waste dumps that can have value in the current metal price environment. It is a three-month um, scheduled trial that could be continued further in the event that, of the economics of the program proving feasible. Um, now I'd like to move on to the exploration front. Uh, subsequent quarter, and we reported some exciting exploration success. And I'd like to turn the call over to Chris Davis to talk about these highlights. Chris, thanks, Dominic. Uh, last month we announced encouraging results from our extension drilling at the high-grade Yule deposit at Costafield. The drilling, which was intended to further delineate the recently discovered high-grade southern gold domain, returned results that convey a link between the current mine development and the and provide the strong indications that the high-grades continue uh, through this zone. Some of the drilling highlights include 264 grams per tonne gold and 19.7% antimony over a true width of 0.23 of a metre and uh, 94.7 grams per tonne and 16.4% antimony over a true width of uh, 0.05 of a metre. Um, we also encountered new high grades to the north of Yule at depth, uh, grading at 345 grams per tonne gold over 19.7, uh, sorry, and 19.7 um, percent antimony over a true width of 0.11 of a metre and 316 grams per tonne gold over a true width of 0.22 of a metre. But I guess most excitingly, uh, step-out drilling down plunge on Yule returned grades of 460 grams per tonne gold over a partially recovered vein, which was 11, uh, sorry, 0.11 of a metre. 
this intercept is 130 metres down plunge of the previous high-grade intercepts and could represent uh, the anticipated beginning of a new structural domain at York. At the Yorkdale, uh, drilling over the last few months has been focused on the eastern and depth extension of Aurora, as well as the eastern extension of Lake Zone. Um, significant and exciting results have been received in both programs, with highlights of 4.8 grams per tonne gold over a true width of 2.5 metres at Aurora, and 119 grams per tonne gold over a true width of 0.44 of a metre at Lake Zone. Also earlier this, this week, uh, we announced our resource and reserves uh, updates for both of our operations, with positive results at each. We extended our mine life at Costfield to four and a half years, uh, increasing our mineral reserves for gold and antimony by 25% and 22% respectively, net of depletion. Most significant is that we, now, we nearly doubled our proven reserve at the high-grade Yule vein which was the driving force behind the company's turnaround in 2020. We also maintained a long mine life until 2029 at the Orkdale and increased our underground mineral reserves, which are slated to be the primary source of mill feed going forward. Looking to 2021, we have, we have budgeted the largest combined exploration expenditure in the company's history of uh, $9 million. At Costafield, our focus is threefold. The growth of high-grade resources at depth on Yule, drill testing of the exciting Yule analogue environments at depth under Cuffley, Augusta and Brunswick deposits, including the deeper Fosterville-style environment, and uh, advancement of the promising Browns and Western Corridor projects. At Bjorkdale, we will be focusing on delivering higher grade resources and extending the Aurora system, uh, as well as building on lake zone and main zone resources. We have also identified a number of surface targets, uh, which will be undertaking bedrock geochemical analysis and diamond drill testing. Thank you. I'd like to hand back to Dominic. Thanks, Chris. Um, before I take any questions, uh, I'd like to take a moment just to revisit our main corporate priorities in our program on each. On our last earnings call, I laid out four core areas of focus for Mandalay. First, we want to maximise our cash flow from operations. We want to continue to take advantage of the record high gold price environment. This means continuing to grow production at cost field and ramping up high margin ounces from Bjorkdal underground. As Nick mentioned, we generated 72 million in net cash flows from operating activities this year, delivering, driving record adjusted net income of $34.7 million and 25 million in free cash flow. Next, we want to unlock further value and extend mine life through expiration. At cost field, this is extending the mine life at the high-grade yield deposit and unlocking further value through new discoveries. At Bjorkdal, our objective is to continue to delineate and grow Aurora and other high-grade ore sources. 
We are pleased to have grown our mine life at Costafield and maintained a nine plus year life at Bjorkdal while growing underground mineral reserves. Our third priority is de-risking our balance sheet. We plan to significantly strengthen our balance sheet in the coming quarters. As of quarter end, our debt position was $59 million. It's worth noting that despite us paying $4.5 million towards our hedging program in 2020, mainly driven by the recent strengthening and mainly driven by the recent strengthening of the Australian dollar relative to the US dollar, we anticipate receiving proceeds from the Australian dollar gold forward contracts in the near term. Our improved operations and cash generation allowed us to grow our cash position to 34.2 million a year in 2020, not including the 5 million shipment receivable that was recovered in early January 2021. We expect this trend to continue and we are on track to not only have zero net debt by 2021, but to have cash exceeding our debt. And lastly, with our balance sheet currently beginning to be de-risked, we will turn our attention to reinvesting cash and growth opportunities that will continue to strengthen the business and surface value for our shareholders. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. This concludes a part of our presentation. Um, I would now like to open the lines up for questions. Thank you. At this time, we'll be conducting a question and answer session. If you'd like to ask a question, please press star 1 from your telephone keypad, and a confirmation tone will indicate your line is in the question queue. You may press star 2 if you'd like to remove your question from the queue. For participants that are using speaker equipment, it may be necessary to pick up your handset before pressing the star keys. One moment, please, while we poll for questions. And once again, that's star 1 to ask a question. Thank you. Our first question is from the line of Robert Mulvey with Mandalay. Please receive your questions. Hey guys, congratulations on the great quarter and uh, great. It's quite an accomplishment that you've turned the company around and made such tremendous progress. Uh, the first question I have is kind of a housekeeping question. Are you aware that, um, that you guys have a spam sync for email inquiries to uh, investor relations? No, no, I, I did not realize that. Um, it, uh, we would appreciate if you could reach out to Edison with our investor yes. relations. Yes, yes, I have. And, okay. and he's, he's been quite, uh, quite helpful, uh, but uh, half hour ago or so, just before the conference call started, uh, I checked the website, and it's still uh, info at mandalayresources.com. And uh, so, yeah, I've I've alerted uh, Edison to this problem. But uh, I was wondering if you guys were wondering why you never got any questions from investors through the email. So Okay. 
No, thank you very much for highlighting that again, and we'll follow up and ensure that it, the situation is remedied. Excellent, excellent. Okay, on to more important questions. Can you kind of uh, give a little bit more color about the uh, elevated uh, uh, all-in sustain uh, uh, costs over at uh, Bjorkdale? Yeah, so the the main attributor to the increased costs in the fourth quarter, where we did have quite a bit further development, um, operational development in the first quarter, as we were developing quite a bit of yield, and there was very little um, capital during that period, capital development. So that pushed operating costs and subsequently the only sustaining costs. We also were winterizing, so preparing for the winter and had some tailings work to do. So it was anomalous in the fourth quarter and we were anticipating higher cash spend during that quarter. But I think you'll see in the first quarter of this year, you will see that the total costs are back online to what we were obtaining in the first three quarters, total overall operating costs. Excellent, excellent. Uh, my next question regards uh, Cerro Bayou in uh, Chile. Do you know the approximate tonnage to be gone through of the tailings and how long that might last? I mean, might it last six months, a year, a year and a half? It, at the current time, it's only a trial processing. So we've scheduled in three months, um, trialing to see what the actual results are. These are actual waste dumps that were mined from the old Taital pit and several others in the 90s. Uh, it, quite a few years ago, a study was done to see if these um, waste dumps were leachable and, and the results came back negative. It, it, more than anything, it is taking advantage of these current high silver prices and to see if these dumps can be profitable processing through our plant. So we anticipate we'll be passing through 1,400 to 1,500 tonnes per day. Uh, the, the program, if it is profitable, could be extended by quite a period because there are several million tonnes of these um, waste dumps. Uh, still at Cerro Bayo. The, the margins will not be extremely significant, but they, we do anticipate that they will definitely hold, cover the holding costs at Cerro Bayo, as well as giving some uh, some profit on top. Well, if that could be accomplished, I, every little bit helps, and that would be uh, that would be excellent. Could that also perhaps serve as a catalyst to uh, Equus? to uh, exercise their option contract on the property, perhaps? Yet, I, I can't speak 100% for what John and Equus, Equus's plans are, but I do speak to him regularly, and I am quite certain their business model is factored pretty much solely around Cerro Bale, and that option expires at the end of this year, so I, I would be surprised if Equus does not realize on that option and purchase Cerro Bayo and we if they do Mandalay becomes a substantial the largest shareholder of Equus so for us it is important to show that these waste dumps can be profitable and it may be a big catalyst for people beginning to see the Equus uh, the value in Equus as well which is a benefit to us okay excellent yeah. uh, getting close to the end of my questions here 
Uh, on the balance sheet going forward, do you anticipate holding um, higher levels of cash in 2021, 2022 versus the past uh, to prevent uh, the financial problems that hit the company here? Uh, you know, 2019 and early 2020. We yeah, we definitely do intend to buy a cash balance. Uh, however, I do anticipate that that will continue to grow substantially over the next um, four and a half years. We have demonstrated how much cash we can generate while we are pro producing from the yule load at Costafield. And we have four and a half years at least of um, that production. And with the recent results, we've seen Chris getting down deep. I would anticipate that we'll continue to grow further. So I don't anticipate that we will have any financial concerns going forward. I, I anticipate that we will be growing our cash position. Um, we do have our still the significant debt of 59 million that we are paying down 3.8 million a quarter going forward so we'll be looking at what we do with that going forward as we become net debt free and have a lot more cash to play with but our focus predominantly with the cash is maintaining maintaining a large cash balance and reinvesting in expiration. So we're starting to see the benefits of what that can do for the company with, um, with the smaller uplift in capital expiration in cost of field last year. Um, we not only replaced depletion, but added another year and a bit on top. And the results we're starting to see at Bjorkdal drilling into this, the lake zone and main zone down deeper, starting to get some phenomenal grades reporting back from that drilling. So we are seeing the success of putting money back into the ground and that will be the priority with um, the amount of cash we are generating and growing our cash balance. But we definitely will keep a comfortable buffer. Okay, excellent. And then my last question, is uh, you guys have done such a tremendous job of turning the company around. And uh, currently you're my single largest uh, position. Do you have any plans to expand your promotion efforts going forward, you know, getting the word out to uh, the investor community? Um, just seems yeah, yeah. nobody knows about the company, <laughs> unfortunately. Yes, so it has flown under the radar for many investors and we do, I think that is reflected in our market cap, current market capitalization. Um, we will be attending a lot more conferences this year. We are definitely um, speaking to a lot of banks to try and get a lot more following. We do only have two analysts still. There has been a lot of hesitancy. Um, for banks picking up on our story. And that's to large part that we haven't proven that this turnaround um, is permanent. I think we have shown that it is um, here for long, the long term now with continuing to add reserves, especially at cost field. Uh, so we will be doing quite a bit to try and get the word out about Mandalay and how successful the company currently is and how much growth there still is in the company going forward. So, 
Okay. Yeah. Well, keep up the good work, and uh, thank you guys for doing such a, such a good job, and that's uh, that's great. Thank you. Thank you very much. Our next question is coming from the line of Kevin Tracy with Oberon Asset Management. Please proceed with your questions. Thanks. Uh, I have a couple about the guidance that costs are failed. Uh, so the guidance for 53 to 60,000 uh, gold equivalent ounces of production this year, now that compares to you know, close to, let's say, 75 to 90 that you originally gave as part of your three-year guidance, you know, a couple of years ago. So I'm wondering if that kind of higher level of production, is that just then delayed into 2022, or is there something that's kind of changed about the you know, you'll mind that means that production won't get to those levels. Yeah, so that that's easily explained. Back two years ago when we were planning for yule, all that we had drawed out, we found the yule deposit and had drawed out the main central high-grade core of yule. That's where the focus was. And as you drill out further, um, you we really had little information on that. Uh, you back from what the size of our reserves in your two years ago to what they are now, it's grown significantly because we have continued to drill out further into your and it's grown laterally significantly. And as you go out further from the high grade core, the great you are getting lower grades uh, as the deposit slowly drops down, but they're still very profitable. So as a whole, it did drop the overall grades of Yule drilling out to the extents, um, but it did increase our reserves significantly. So that all it really was, was a timing issue with drilling to actually understand how much bigger the deposit was and what we, were, what we had originally um, drilled out. In hindsight, um, we probably should have continued to drill out the whole deposit before reporting so many years ahead, but the net result is positive for us. Um, we asked the, the grade of that high, highest grade core of Yule has not dropped, but we have just added the extremities of the Yule load as well, which drops a grade over the period, but adds quite a few ounces. Got it. Okay. And just more specifically on the expiration uh, results and your plans for this year, I guess, do you expect to, again, replace more than 100% of production this year at Costerfield? And, you know, as far as Yule goes, uh, what's your best guess at this point in time of what that mine life will ultimately be? <clears throat> It's extremely hard to say. So, suffice to say that our lowest, our deepest hole was grading over 400 grams per tonne. It was 11 centimetres narrow, but that's yule. So we know that it's open at depth. Um, it does appear to be moving into a different structure, but that's quite common in yule, within yule and all the deposits we've mined at um, Costafield. So it's open at depth. I do not know to what depth it will go down. And we know that Fosterville is mining over a kilometre deep now. Our deepest hole is around about 600 metres down into Yule. Uh, I would anticipate that we will re replace depletion, but it's very early on in the year. 
to understand how much more we can add. Um, we are continuing to drill ground as well. So the hope is that that will emerge into something that we can move into a resource this year and subsequently a reserve. Um, we are attacking the actual um, cuffly load again, once, once again, because of information that we've gathered from you and how it behaves at depth. We have, Chris and his team has come up with a hypothesis of that you, the cuffly load has moved into a different structure, um, which we haven't, we did um, actually intercept several years ago, grading uh, quite a wide intercept over a meter, at, I think it was 11 grams. So that we actually just started drilling now and should be intercepting over the coming weeks. Um, so there's there's a lot of money being put into exploration this year, so 6.8 million more than we ever had had previously in cost of field. So I do anticipate we will be able to replace our reserves. But well, that being said, a lot of our focus this year is not specifically aimed at reserve replacement. It's more aimed at um, target testing and and actual pure exploration. It, because I, I point back to the prior 10 years of Mandalay, I, almost the bulk of our drilling has been focused solely in at infield drilling with very little target testing or generative drilling. I think over 10 years we've struggled to drill even 10 million of that type of drilling. So this year we're drilling $6.8 million worth of drilling and the bulk of it is trying to find significant extensions to older deposits or finding brand new deposits such as Browns. So hopefully that answers it. Yeah, no, thank you. And then lastly on the cost guidance for cost repeal, now at the midpoint, it implies roughly $115 you know, per ounce of higher costs relative to 2020. Uh, now, by my math, the strengthening Australian dollar might account for half of that. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more about, you know, what the other, where the other increase is coming from, and if this cash cost guidance for 2021 is that a reasonable kind of expectation for you know, 2022 and, you know, the years on as you continue to develop fuel? Uh, yeah, so it, it is reasonable, I think. Um, cost of field is a little different to virtually every other mining operation in the world in that our stoping production is actually more expensive than development because of we have plant restrictions, so we mine the stopes as narrow as possible. Um, to decrease dilution uh, and because of relatively poor ground conditions in cost field we have to backfill our stopes virtually after every blast using cement to rock fill and then reopen the stope so development is quite simple for us just advancing actual stoping is um, does result in a high operational cost when we are mining and that's you always transitioning more from becoming a development operation to over 50% of our production over the course of 2021 will be in stoping. That's where the bulk of our actual operating cost lift com comes from. So if, if we do continue to grow the deposit at depth and have more 
um, operational development, a higher ratio of development than stoping, then we may see a slight decrease in costs over the course of the year. Okay. All right. Thanks very much, and congrats on a good year. Excellent. Thanks. Thank you. The next question is coming from the line of Lawrence Cooney, a private investor. Please proceed with your questions. Hey, Dominic. I just want to congratulate the team on the turnaround. I've uh, been on. I've been investing in uh, Mandalay since uh, three years ago, so I've ridden out the storm. So, I have a series of questions, but I do have one comment about uh, the the investor relations uh, point of contact. So, I'm wondering if you could. Uh, Verify the phone number as well because I haven't been getting any callbacks. Hello. Um, yeah. Yes. So the sorry. Uh, I I don't have the actual number on hand. I would have to get back to you. I'll have Edison reach out to you, Lawrence. Okay. Thank you. I do have a series yeah. of small questions here, so I'll start off with the. Uh, <clears throat> the uh, Borkdale uh, mining operation. Uh, last time we chatted on the quarterly call, I, asked, I inquired about the ore sorter. Is there any consideration being uh, put forth on that? Yeah, so there is consideration, and that's going to be investigated over the course of 2021. So there's two... We do anticipate that we will be able to continue to lift our underground production from... Um, Bjorkdal, and there, there's two directions in which we can go at Bjorkdal, actually lifting the overall throughput through the processing plant. So we currently process and dispose 1.3 million tonnes per annum. Uh, we are permitted to process 1.7 million tonnes per annum. So over the course of 2021, we'll be looking at doing a study, looking at what is the best and most optimal um, method to upgrade Bjorkdal in the longer terms, because this is a we have the 10 years in front of us, but this is an operation that's quite easy to continue to add additional reserves to this operation, so it'll be operating for much longer. So we do have a lot of room to upgrade um, the facility for larger ounce uh, production on an annual basis and have it long term. So there's two main routes that we'll be looking at. That is upgrading the whole processing capacity or implementing the optical ore sorting. So we did do the feasibility study for the optical ore sorting two to three years ago, so we understand very well the total capital costs associated with that. We don't yet understand the total cost to upgrading the processing facility and that all that's involved um, mining-wise to be able to upgrade the total processing tonnage and underground feed significantly um, to understand the financial results of if we did that. So we do want to do a trade-off study between the two projects and look at how feasible they are before actually selecting in which direction uh, Bjorkdal is going to go. And that's going to be the main focus of one of the studies at Bjorkdal this year. Um, However, it won't be a capital investment we will be carrying out uh, this year. Um, 
main focus for exploration capital for sorry capital uh, this year will remain on exploration. Okay, another another question for the uh, the Borkdale um, mining operation. On the presentation, it mentioned uh, deep drilling. Is that going to be similar to the deep drilling that uh, that occurred at Coffee and Yule? Sorry, at Bjorkdal? No, no, not that deep. Definitely not. So it's it's an extension of the main zone and the lake zone. So when we did deeper drilling into Aurora, um, out to the northeast, we did start to see some pretty significant grade intercepts. And um, Chris and his Bjorkdal team, they've done a lot of extrapolation in investigating this and have found identified areas within the main and lake zone where we could see a similar occurrence of what we're seeing in around this aurora zone back within those um, two areas that's our primary focus at the moment those two areas uh, down deeper and so they're not stepping down like 500 meters down below it is following these vein structures maybe 100 meters plus uh, down deeper along uh, chris did release on that a few weeks ago, our first results coming back from that, um, and that was mainly around the lake zone. We will be updating further with uh, more information on the main zone over the coming months as well, where we're hoping to see repetitions of intercepting on average higher grades down deeper there. Okay, so it's not going to be like a deep hole drilling like at... No, no, definitely. Okay. So no. But as... Yeah, as we are drilling, this is also drilling deeper, but because of the whole dip of the deposit, it's going further to the northeast, and it is getting closer to actually another mining concession that we hold, which is Storheden. Um, so we're, we're getting closer to tying these two mining concessions together where we're permitted to mine, and it is highlighting the interest and possibly following up on what was called the store heating deposit, which um, if you'd like more information on that, we can discuss that another time. Well, that's interesting because that was kind of my next question. So I can understand uh, your need to reassess the mill and determine uh, how to increase its uh, gold recovery and throughput. Uh, I'm going to um, sort of tack here towards more the M&A scene. I found a... Um, found an article, actually a press release from Anderley Resources back in 2013 when Brad was the CEO, and he was talking about uh, divesting into uh, copper mining uh, with the La Cabrado um, permits in Chile. So I was wondering, with all this new cash coming in, uh, where does Mandalay see themselves going with uh, M&A, and is there a possibility of getting into some more base metals to basically protect us against the interesting fluctuations in gold these days? Yeah. So I'll start on Lacabrati. It's a very interesting one because it's copper-silver, which is um, where the trend of copper and silver with where it's going at the current time it, that deposit is of more interest to us and actually chris has recently just started reviewing um, the information at la Carada. obviously it's has not been a high priority 
uh, for us over the course of the last two years. Um, my focus has been on our two operation assets to turn them around and become a successful company again. But now that we're in pretty stable position, we are going to be in looking at La Cabrata and what is the best way forward for that property. It is neighbouring and operating open pit mine with their deposit continuing in the open San Jeronimo and Tuga open pit. Um, so it, it, that area has been successful with the copper silver deposit. So we do want to understand that deposit um, a little better and we do have the time now to begin investigating that to understand exactly what we're going to do with La Cabrata going forward because there is value there we see. Uh, in relation to M&A and getting into base metals, still the priority of Mandalay is we are a precious metals producer but we are not adverse to base metals as well especially if they have um, a precious metal metals tinge to them. Our priority though over the course of <coughs> 2021 is not um, on, on acquisitions and trying to find something to um, purchase because we still do think there's um, a lot more shareholder value to be realised with our current production results and current and drilling into our own properties, both Bjorkdal and Costafield, to get some more value into Mandalay before actually moving into that transition of trying to grow externally. Um, so unlikely over 2021, with we do want to understand a little better what we have in Costafield, um, which is why we're drilling so much more. Um, um, before we actually make any decisions and look at growing externally. Okay, I just have two closing comments. So I guess my rec recommendation to Chris is to contact uh, Ms. Uh, Brad Mills and find out and get as much as he can with regards to his notes based on this comment from the 23 uh, press release. And uh, just to close off, and thank you very much for the turnaround and uh, look forward to speaking to you again on the next quarter. Great. Thanks, Lawrence. Thank you. As a reminder, if you'd like to ask a question, you may press star 1 at this time. Our next question comes from the line of Bernie Mulsh with PMG. Please see with your questions. Hi. Congratulations on uh, an excellent quarter. Uh, I just uh, Most of my questions have already been uh, asked by other uh, callers, but uh, I do have a couple of uh, questions on... Um, uh, um, Field, the recovery went up to 93.53%. Uh, uh, is that the result of the uh, process improvements that you've implemented there? Yeah, it, it's a, there's been some improvements, definitely, but the bulk of the improvements has been the, the type of mineralization that we have in your load. So it's very a lot of um, free gold. So we are recovering a lot more gold in our gravity circuit. Up to 50% of our gold comes out in gravity now. Um, previously, for example, Brunswick it was 25 to 30%. So that getting so much more in our gravity is lifting our recovery overall from the whole site. Uh, we are also, hopefully in March, we now have it on site, um, so hopefully we'll be commissioning in March, 
the new cab tube flotation. Um, so that we we were anticipating a two percent lift in recoveries with that. Obviously, that in recoveries have already improved so much um, since we started this cab tube project. Um, we we may not get up to two percent further improvement from the cab tube, but we do anticipate that definitely getting over um, 1.5 percent improvement further with this cab tube um, that should be commissioned in March. So because it's focusing on the very fine gold um, within our float flotation circuit, almost all of our gold that goes to the tailings is, is um, micro, um, microscopic, very fine gold. And the cab tube system that focuses on recovery of very fine gold. So that's where we expect to see improvement, further improvements this year with um, already improved recoveries at cost field. I see. Uh, and uh, on uh, your hedges, uh, uh, are your hedges really making you money now? Uh, I mean, the perception on the part of most investors is that uh, Mandalay Resources is in a void because of the hedges. So yeah, could so you uh, provide some color on the uh, uh, hedges? Uh... Yes. So we when we took out the hedges to try and de-risk it, we didn't want to, um, we had to take these hedges out with the um, refinancing of the credit facility. But to try and de-risk it, we decided to take it out in two currencies. So half of it was taken out in... US dollars, so 25,000 ounces per annum uh, with a ceiling of, um, I think it's 1620, sorry, 1630 um, gold price. But the other 25,000 ounces was taken out in Aussie um, gold price that at the time, because of the low exchange rate or uh, the devalued. Aussie dollar, um, we got that at $23.90 um, dollars per ounce. That was locked in. And if you look at current Australian um, gold price, I think it's around about $22.70. So we'll be making around about $120 per ounce on that at the current time, losing possibly slightly more on the US. So it's, it's Close to break even, but with the Aussie exchange rate lifting, um, strengthening, um, that's becoming the margin with the Aussie hedge is becoming larger for us. So I think de-risking okay. it by splitting the currencies was a good decision. Now, is, is the gold that's hedged uh, coming from uh, Costerfield exclusively or is it uh, Bjorkdal uh, and Costerfield? Yeah, so the cost of the Aussie gold hedge is linked to cost the field, and the US dollar hedge is linked to Bjork dollar. I see. Okay, that that explains yeah. that. Uh, thank you very much, and congratulations yeah. on the excellent performance. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. We have a follow from the line of Rob Plumphy with Mandalay. Please receive your question. Hey guys, quick question. How close um, is Costerfield to uh, Kirkland Lakes uh, production areas? It's uh, approximately 30 kilometers away. So you've got 
Bendigo, then you go further to the east, hit Fosterville, and then um, continue along another 30 kilometres to the east, and that's where we are. Okay, very good. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. At this time, we've reached the end of our question and answer session. I'll hand the call back to Dominic Duffy for closing remarks. Um, yep, excellent. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Um, before we disconnect, I'd just like to give a special thank you to all the Mandalay team for their excellent hard work and contributions at, to delivering these um, fantastic results in Q4 and 2020 as a whole. And I really look forward um, to updating the market on our progress as we go forward. So have a good day, everybody, and thank you. Thank you. This will conclude today's conference. You may disconnect your lines at this time. Thank you for your participation. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.